0: you? Happy Mother's Day. Glad you're here. We're continuing our study of uh, the life and times of David and working our way through 1 Samuel. Uh, Coming to a conclusion of 1 Samuel, we'll be heading into 2 Samuel after that, but King Saul right now, it's King Saul versus King elect David. And as we conclude 1 Samuel, there are some dynamic tensions between the old regime and the new one good versus evil light versus darkness trust versus jealousy spirit of god versus the working of the devil trust in god versus taking matters into your own your own hands life versus death waiting for god to fulfill his promises versus desperate for someone to tell you what you want to hear so you can get what you want. The final chapters of 1 Samuel depict glorious and pitiful at the same time. As the long-awaited time for David's coronation is etching ever closer, the old regime, whose term is coming to an end, is desperately clinging to power, while the king-elect David is patiently waiting for, and allowing God to control the timeline for the throne to be vacated and his messianic reign to begin formally. Two leaders taking two different paths. And as I was reading, you know, I get to this point where you go, can it get any worse here? And then you read, the desperate King Saul turns to witchcraft and divination. So, can it get worse? Yes. First Samuel Chapter 28, verse 1, in those days, the Philistines gathered their forces to fight against Israel. Achish said to David, that's one of the Philistine kings, where David was allowed to uh, set up camp in this village Ziklag, so him and David and all his his men, his soldiers, and then all their family are given this little village to, to live in and set up. And Akish said to David, You must understand that you and your men will accompany me in the army. And David said, Then you will see for yourself what your servant can do. Very well, I will make you my bodyguard. Now, the Philistine other leaders had been suspicious suspicious of David that maybe he wasn't really going to ever fight against his own people, against Saul and the Israelites. And they didn't trust him. They didn't want him along. But David said... Here, I'll go to battle with you, and now you'll find out what I'm made of. You'll you'll find out what I can do for you. Verse 3 says, Now Samuel is dead, the prophet, and all Israel has mourned for him and buried him in his own tomb in, in Ramah. Saul has expelled the mediums and the spiritists from the land. The Philistines assembled and camped and set up camp at Shunem, while Saul gathered all Israel and set up camp at Gilboa. And when Saul saw the Philistine army, he was afraid. Terror filled his heart. He inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him by dreams or urim or prophets. Saul then said to his attendants, find me a woman who is a medium or a witch or you know, a fortune teller so I may go and inquire of her. There is one in Endor," they said. I wanna pause here for a moment in this narrative, and I'll keep reading in just a moment. But it appears that this is a good example of the difference between religious obligation and personal conviction. The king had already banned, it says, he banned all witchcraft, all all, uh, fortune-telling, all seances, that anything that was not of the Lord and inquiring of the Lord, inquiring of the dark forces, inquiring of, you know, uh, of the, the underworld spirits was banned, not allowed to operate in the land of God's people. So the king knew it was something he was supposed to be against. But when he finds himself in a life-and-death situation, it doesn't look like he himself believed the danger of those dark forces. He inquires of the Lord, and he gets no direct word from God, no dream, no vision, no prophetic word, yet the armies of the Philistines are camped within eyesight, or at least within knowledge, within striking distance of them. If any prophets of the Lord remained near Saul, uh, which... Chances are there weren't many left as he had been uh, executing a lot of people around him. Is he frightened to see the course of this pending disaster and he compromises in weakness? It's obviously not a conviction of his. It's not something that he has bound himself to. I mean, we already know the commandment, thou shalt not kill, and yet he's not, he set out the word to have David killed God's anointed, one of his own people, his own son-in-law? He, he's not going to stop. He's demanding the execution of a righteous friend, family member, follower of God, and he's already executed the 80 priests at Nob. So let's continue reading. Saul disguises himself then. He takes off his king's robes, puts on regular working man clothes. And at night he and two men went to the women, the woman. Consult a spirit for me, he said, and bring up for me the one I name. But the woman said to him, Surely you know what Saul, the king, has done. He has cut off the mediums and spiritists from the land. Why have you set a trap for my life to bring about my death? And Saul swore to her by the Lord, As surely as the Lord lives, you will not be punished for this. Then the woman asked, Whom shall I bring up for you? Bring up Samuel, he said. Then the woman saw Samuel and she cried out at the top of her voice, "Ah! why have you deceived me? You are Saul, the king of Israel. And the king said to her, don't be afraid, but tell me what you see. So that means Saul isn't seeing yet. She says, I see a a ghostly figure coming up out of the earth. And what does he look like? An old man wearing a robe is coming up. And then Saul knew it was Samuel, and he bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. And Samuel said to Saul, Why have you disturbed me from bringing me up? I'm in great distress. Saul said, "'The Philistines are fighting against me, and God has departed from me. He no longer answers me, either by the prophets or dreams, so I have called on you to tell me what to do.'" And Samuel said, "'Why do you consult me, now that the Lord has departed from you and become your enemy? The Lord has done what he predicted through me. The Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to one of your neighbors, to David.'" Because you did not obey and carry out the Lord, the fierce wrath against the Amalekites, the Lord has done this to you today. And the Lord will deliver both Israel into the hands of the Philistines. And tomorrow, you and your sons will be with me in the underworld. The Lord will also give the army of Israel into the hands of the Philistines. Immediately, Saul fell full length on the ground, filled with fear because of Samuel's words. Saul, the anointed king of God's people, is so desperate that he turns to dark magic for help. And even the underworld confirms the word of the Lord. Some people think, like, is all that spirit stuff evil, dark, real? Yeah, it's real. You kill the priests of the Lord, King Saul, and then you seek the devil's daughters for consoling words. You don't hear from God, so you take matters into your own hands. And worse yet, you place your trust in the arms of a white witch. Believers in Jesus, don't look to the stars for insight, but look to the one who made the stars. Don't look to earthly counselors who don't know God to advise your decisions. Seek godly counsel. Don't dial a fortune or check your horoscope. Check your Bible and the word of God, the word that God has for you, you can depend on. Will you stand with me? Lord, reveal truth to us today. And you have called us out of darkness into your wonderful light. Jesus said, I haven't left you alone. You don't have to seek these worldly avenues for counsel or for for intuitive decisions that you have to make. Jesus said, I'll pray to the Father. I'll give you the Comforter or the Holy Spirit that he will remain with you forever and that Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see me or know me, but you know him and he dwells with you and shall be in you that Jesus is saying He literally means that His Spirit can lead you, can guide you, and direct the paths of your life through every complex situation you could ever face. Lord, help us in this time in our culture where anxiety uh, running at an all-time high, medicines given out to all kinds of people, believers and unbelievers, to deal with their their worries about life, their 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 fears, their anxieties. But you would you continue to strip those away from us so that we can be a people who trust you, a people who have put our confidence in you, uh, uh, a people that uh, can uh, lay our burdens before you and know that you can carry our fears, our worries, and anxieties way better than than we ever could, and it won't, it doesn't have to be just sedated to help us to get by, but we can walk in, under your covering in your confidence in these last great days in Jesus. While Saul is consulting demons in fear of the Philistines, David is facing personal tragedy at the highest order. When David and his men arrive back at the village Uh, where they've been allowed to settle in Philistine territory, Ziklag, their community is burnt. Much of their personal belongings were burnt. What was really valuable, their herds and their their gold and their their jewelry, whatever kind of valuables they had in their little safe, were, were all taken. Their women and their children were captured and taken by the Amalekites. Chapter 30, 1 Samuel, verse 3. When David and his men reached Ziklag... They found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. I don't know if you've ever mourned that hard in your life before, where where you mourn and mourn until you are literally exhausted and cannot do anything else. David's two wives had been captured, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of the own loss of their own wives and children. But David found strength in the Lord his God. And then David said to uh, Abiathar, the priest, the son of Ahimelech, "'Bring me the ephod.' And uh, Abiathar brought it to him, and David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue this raiding party? David's men are blaming him. And the minute their families are, are, are messed with, they want another human to blame. They want someone to pay for their loss. They want to blame and exact their revenge on their leader, David. How could you take us out on this raiding party and leave our families unprotected? Leadership is difficult. No wonder so many people would rather not lead. You put yourself out there, you accept a difficult challenge, and the balance of people skills make it difficult to succeed without a mutiny, without people undermining what you're doing, without people whispering about the decisions you've made. But David looks to the Lord at this time. David inquires of the Lord, Should I rescue my family? (laughs) Now, to most of us, that's kind of a bizarre question, isn't it? Like, hmm, my wife and kids have been captured. Should I try to rescue my family? You know, like (laughs) most people, right? They, They wouldn't even stop to pray. Why should I even ask? My family's being carried away right now as we speak. They're going further and further away from us. But David stops and says, Lord, should we chase them? And most of us, we wouldn't stop. We would react probably more like this. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. If you're looking for ransom, I can tell you I don't have money. But what I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills I have acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare to people like you. If you let my family go, that'll be the end of it. And I will not look for you. I will not pursue you. If you don't, I will look for you, and I will find you, and I will kill you. Welcome to Falls Church. Even in a moment where every minute counts and their families are in peril, David says, I need to inquire of the Lord what to do. David knows that God has a plan and God often has plans that require trust and that don't always make sense on the surface of things and that God may be working through the capture of what would equal our wives and our children, our friends and our family, all gone, all under threat by people who want us dead as well. And verse 6 says, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of their sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Friends, there is always time to look to the Lord for help. There is always time to whisper, Lord, help me. Or to whisper, Lord, lead me in a right way to react here. Stop me, Lord, from doing what I may regret, regret, regret for the rest of my life. You hear people that are incarcerated for the rest of their life that are faithy, faith, faith, faithing, <laughs> facing a life sentence because they reacted harshly. They reacted quickly. They reacted with such, uh, you know, such revenge to exact on someone else. And David instead inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue the raiding party? Will I overtake them, Lord? Pursue them, the Lord said. You will, carry, you will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. David and his 600 men with him came to Besor Valley, where some stayed behind. 200 of them were too exhausted, to cross the valley, but David and the other four hundred continued in pursuit. They found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David. They gave him they they gave him water to drink and food to eat. Part of the cake of pressed figs and two cakes of raisin. He ate and he was revived, for he had not eaten or any food or drunk, drunk any water for three days and three nights. And David asked him, "Now that you have your strength back, who do you belong to and where do you come from?" He said, "I'm an Egyptian." the slave of an Amalekite. My master abandoned me when I became ill three days ago. We raided the Negev and the Karathites and some of the territory of Judah uh, belonged to Caleb. We burned Ziklag. David asked him, can you lead me to this raiding party? And he answered, swear to me before God that you will not kill me or hand me over to my master and I will take you down to them. He led David down and they, they, "'They were scattered over the countryside, "'eating, drinking, and reveling "'because of the great amount of plunder "'they had taken from the land of the Philistines "'and from Judah. "'David fought them from dusk "'until the evening of the next day, "'and none of them got away "'except for 400 who rode off on camels and fled.' It must have been a massive army if only a 400 fled away, because that's how many David's men he had. So they got them all, except for a puny little 400 that snuck away, and David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken, including his two wives. Nothing was missing, young or old, boy or girl, plunder or anything else they had taken. David brought everything back. He took all the flocks and herds, and his men drove them ahead of the livestock, saying, this is David's plunder. David ended up saving his family, getting all his stuff back, and even more. He also took everything the Amalekites had looted from the other villages they had gone to before Ziklag. Saul is facing the Philistine armies, overcome by fear, and not hearing anything from the Lord. And he turns to the witch of Endor. Saul is not battling the evil forces of this world. He stops the fight against them and instead tries to collaborate with them, seeking to unify with them, joining forces with the underworld. There is a spirit world, and it's real. And there's real dark power that can dazzle, that can bewitch, and that can impress fleshly humans it's real but the dark forces employ their power on their own terms and for their own good and they oppose the work and the gospel of Jesus Christ it's their very nature David has tapped into the anointing and the Spirit of God and David is living in the land of his enemies, surrounded by the spirits of this world, and yet writing songs of worship to God. David has every reason to doubt, to complain, to seek pity, and yet he sings of the goodness of God. First Samuel ends with chapter 31, one, re- recounting how Saul was surrounded by the Philistines and that an arrow had pierced him. It actually says that Saul had a critical condition. He was in critical condition. We can't know what was on his mind, but was he sensing his defeat? Was he sensing humiliation? Was he sensing torture by the Philistines that that is why he fell onto his sword? Was he already going to die? If he has a critical wound in that day and age with the medical you know things around, good chance they were going to give him a good bleeding to see if he would recover from his, his wound. <laughs> so was he going to die and he just pulled his own plug, fell on his sword? can't say. But I do know that David knows what it was like to live in fear for his life. And he wrote this song, my heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen on me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. I said, oh, that I had wings of a dove, and I could fly away and be at rest. Some of you have gone through some deep, dark, emotional scars in life, and people who have betrayed you, people have said things about you, some you were married to, some were your own children, and they have said things that have hurt you so deeply that you said probably a prayer like this, maybe you didn't say it exactly like that, you know the feeling, oh, that if I had wings that I could fly away and rest somewhere, away from all of this. And David knows what it feels like to have the best of his friends, his father-in-law, the dad of his wife and lover, betray him. Listen to verse 12 of this song in Psalm 55. If an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were rising against me, I could hide. But it's you... A man like myself, my companion, my close friend, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship at the house of God, as we walked about among the worshipers, we worshiped God together. We were, we were, we were, we were the best of friends. And David doesn't always get it right in his life, as we're about to find out in the coming chapters. There's some big blunders but surrounded by the enemies of god and rejected by his own people and no I'm not talking about david anymore it was the life and the example of jesus and unlike david jesus enemies found him and unlike david he wasn't hiding for cover in a cave because when the plot against our lord jesus unfolded in full scale They found him in a garden openly, praying, talking to his heavenly Father, encouraging his disciples, stay awake and pray and keep watch. But they fell asleep. And the forces of hell were collaborating against the Son of God. And the Son of God was preparing for war himself in prayer. Giving his life, saying, not my will, Father, but yours. Not my kingdom. He didn't leave any gorgeous temple here. He didn't leave a pile of monuments to Jesus. He wouldn't allow his disciples to build them when they wanted to. He said, not my will, your will be done. Will you stand with me? Lord in these last great days we're at times we feel like we're living among the Philistines with a a culture within a culture or we're a a culture of the people of God surrounded by so much of the world everywhere we go voices and songs on the radio that uh, are give are telling lies to a group of people are consoling people that the right person at their side they'll feel better. One more drink will ease the pain. A little more money, a little better job, a little more respect, and they'll they'll feel better about their lives, but those are lies, God. That you have built us. You have designed us, God. You have put it in our DNA to not live for the things of this world, but to seek to ask to seek to knock on the doors of heaven, to find God, to find you, Lord, to find your purposes for our lives, to be awakened in our senses to what are we building on this earth? Because what we build with human hands is built on sand and will crumble. Continue to give us a mindset and fill us with the spirit of Jesus. Lord in whatever comes our way may we turn to you may we fall before you may we inquire of the Lord even in moments where it seems like we don't have time to pray make us people that look to you to battle in the most dynamic way possible like Jesus did when all hell was facing him bowed before you and said not my will Lord, but yours in Jesus name. Amen God bless you. You can find us online at falls.church or by searching Facebook at facebook.com/fallschurch.sf.